Now on view at SCAD Fash, Manish Aurora's Life is Beautiful. Renowned for dazzling designs and a rainbow of colors, Manish Aurora has brought the talent and craftsmanship of India's rich sartorial history to the global forefront, earning international acclaim on runways across three continents. Designing in India since the 1990s, Aurora's glittering garments celebrate extravagant expressions of self through varied materials, techniques, and silhouettes in a triumphant union of Western and Eastern aesthetics adapted to today's multicultural society with a touch of humor. Find out more at scadfash.org. Support for WABE comes from 100 Miles, a nonprofit committed to preserving Georgia's 100-mile coast. Protecting this critical coastal ecosystem takes all of us. Watch the stories of the innovators and future leaders who help keep our coast flowing at OurGeorgiaCoast.org. Latin, this is City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for listening. Oh, we have a great lineup today with seasonal fun for all ages at the Woodland Spirits Exhibition of Fernbank Museum, plus a conversation with the witty and clever John Lovett, a former speechwriter for President Obama and co-host of Pod Save America. First, we're in our fall fun drive, and to kick off day one, we are offering the only match during City Light. So when you give right now at wabe.org slash donate, your gift does more. City Light senior producer Kim Drobes is here to tell us more about this generous match. All right, so this is how it works. A few members of our major giving society here at WABE, called Cornerstone Members, have given us $5,000 to match with your donation right now. So if you give $50, they'll match your $50, effectively making your donation $100. Where else are you going to double the value of your money like that? And best of all, your donation powers all the reasons you value City Lights. So please, take advantage of this moment and give right now at wabe.org slash donate or with a call 678-553-9090. My name is Eric Deggins and I'm TV critic for NPR. It's important to make space for arts coverage on the air because people have made space for the arts in their lives. Art allows us another way to reconsider and think about and process things that happen to us as a society. And we are processing a lot these days. Uh, I do donate to the NPR member station where I live. I'm supporting an institution that reflects a lot of the values I have about reporting the news and being connected to the local community and what's important about serving the public. I'm Eric Deggins. Give what you can and help your member station cover your community as well as it possibly can. Here's how to give. You can give at wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090. We agree with Eric Deggins that art allows us another way to reconsider, think, and process things that happen to us as 
a society. Think about the enlightening conversations you've heard here on City Lights from Atlanta artists, authors, comedians, musicians, chefs, and dancers who have added perspective to your world. Those conversations would not be possible without donations from listeners like you. So please donate online now at wabe.org slash donate or with a call to 678-553-9090. Thank you. So a monthly donation to WABE really is the best way to support us. And here's one of the reasons. You don't have to give it as a lump sum, but instead a little bit consistently from month to month. And yes, you can change it at any time. Also, for most listeners, $10 a month seems to be the most comfortable giving amount, but only you know what you can afford. Plus, this is really cool, every WABE monthly donor automatically receives a gift from us, the PBS Streaming Service Passport. And please know that we really do depend on the Atlanta community because about 90% of our funding comes from in and around Atlanta. That's listeners just like you. Think about it this way. All the great and meaningful and powerful stories you hear here on WABE are sustained by you. So please become a new sustaining member online at wabe.org or give us a call 678-553-9090. And thanks. My name is Sue Lee and I live in Johns Creek. I remember a long time ago when I was listening to uh, the spring and fall fundraising And people would talk about Cornerstone members. And I used to think, wow, is this like a secret society where I don't know how I can become a Cornerstone member, right? And then I researched and then then found out that if you give monthly as little as $100 a month, you can become a Cornerstone member. And I think listening to WADE, it's priceless. Like, oh, that's the least I can do. We'd like to thank everyone who's already given during City Lights. And as part of this Cornerstone match, we really appreciate you. The idea is simple. When you give right now, your gift will be matched up to $5,000 total. And before we get on the show, I would like to add that we have one more reason for you to give right now. Anyone that donates to WABE this hour gets the opportunity to have the one and only Lois Reitzis wish you a happy birthday on air during City Lights. We'll aim to celebrate you on or close to your birthday. So keep an eye out for an informational email after the drive and we will figure it out together. So right now, please take a moment and give. WABE.org slash donate or give us a call 678-553-9090 and thank you. And now Fernbank celebrates the spooky season. The forest is among the most familiar settings for myths and fairy tales, representing hidden places of the unknown where danger may lurk in the shadows. Forests and woodlands often evoke feelings of mystery, magic, and adventure. And with that in mind, Fernbank Museum invites you to take a walk on the supernatural side with its 
Halloween-inspired exhibition, Woodland Spirits. Curator Bobby Homan is the VP of Programming and Collections for Fernbank Museum. She joins us now via Zoom. Bobby, welcome to City Lights. Thank you so much for having me. It is a privilege to be on the show with you. Please tell us, how did the idea come about for the Halloween-inspired woodland spirits? Well, it's a hard question to answer. I think a lot of things in the museum world just sort of happen out of random brainstorming discussions. And this will be our fifth year displaying woodland spirits. And so, you know, five and a half, six years ago, we started discussing what could we do in our newly opened outdoor space, which is called Wildwoods. It's the area immediately behind the museum. And we started thinking, you know, we're in the forest, so scale can be a challenge for a lot of things that, you know, we would put inside on display. So, you know, we've got trees that are 100 feet tall, so everything seems to kind of seem diminutive (laughs) when put outdoors. And so we started thinking of sculptures, and we didn't really want to do just traditional fine arts type sculptures and really loved the idea of focusing on the supernatural and playing up that connection with fall and Halloween. And we started looking at local artists to try to get some inspiration. We also just literally started Googling and looking online to see if there were things that really struck our fancy and really liked the look of things. And we saw a few artists here locally in town that had some metal work, some sculptural elements that really we were drawn to. And so we really, it was really a very collaborative process. And so we started kind of building and building on our ideas in collaboration with uh, Laura Lewis, who is the artist that we work with. So we didn't set off to say, let's create chicken wire sculptures. But one of us had seen an example of a chicken wire sculpture and thought, what could we do with that and make it our own? So that's kind of a long-winded answer. It's not not long-winded. You began already to paint a picture for us of Fernbank Forest. What will visitors experience at the exhibition? Well, as I mentioned, the exhibition is in the 10 acres immediately behind the museum, and it's morphed and changed a little bit over the previous years for a variety of reasons. And uh, this year, as we have an elevated boardwalk and walking paths throughout Wildwoods, and so some of the scenes that are set are very, uh, very obvious, very visible. Some are a little bit more tucked away and hidden, but We have just over 40 individual sculptures, but many of those are grouped in little vignettes or scenes. So for example, we kind of took some inspiration from one of the Harry Potter movies and we have a a very large mother spider and a grouping of little spiderlings that are uh, visible in one area. We have a grouping of wolves that are howling We have an owl that's scaring a cat. We have some other more kind of otherworldly figures that are crawling up some of our steep banks. 
that take us down to a stream that is at the um, the back end of our property. So you kind of, some of them are very visible. Some are tucked behind uh, some of the native plants and shrubbery and trees. So there's something to see at almost every turn. Oh, that's a vivid description. Bobby, what age group do you have in mind in terms of children who visit? I mean, your shows are so family-oriented, but how scary are these things? Well, we tried to keep that in mind. You know, as you pointed out, Farm Bank has a very vibrant membership, and many of those people are families with young kids. So our goal was not to be gruesome and not to be scary, but really have these kind of spirits coexisting out in nature with us. So some of the spirits look like a girl whose dress is trailing behind her. Some are a little bit more menacing might be the word, but certainly not scary. I, I think also with the chicken wire, you know, you can see through the chicken wire. So sometimes you have to walk around the subject matter to really kind of a understand what you're looking at. So I would say, honestly, that this display, this exhibit is accessible for all of our audiences. I don't think that it would scare anyone. I think the kids, we added the animals partly because we knew that our younger visitors would love seeing them. And then the the other kind of taller, more humanoid-like figures, more spirit-like figures are very kind of abstract in a way. Ah, okay. So children are not going to be screaming at the sight of these things. No, and there's nothing that's going to pop out. You know, everything is fixed and stationary. There's there's no movement. It, this is definitely not a haunted house. It's really a very interesting sculpture garden, if you will. <laughs> Does Fernbank have other Halloween-related events taking place? We do. So we have a discovery day called Creepy Crawlies that's on October 22nd from 10 to 1. So you'll get to meet some of our Fern Bank's animal ambassadors and some other Halloween type activities. We've got Dino Trick or Treat on October Whoa. 29th. So yes. What, so come what do dinosaurs like? for trick-or-treat? Well, probably, I would say humans, if we were around at that time, <laughs> they probably would have trick-or-treated on us, I think. You're not going to tell the kids that. No, we are not going to tell. So we have decorated and themed tables for kids to come and get uh, unique types of candies. We also have, in addition to our family programs, we also have programs that are more geared towards adults. So we have and we've had it for many years, a Fright Night, which is on October 28th. There's always live music and a bar and dancing. And typically people come in costumes. So that's always a really fun night. So we try to go all out for uh, the holiday Halloween season. Okay. How does your background as an anthropologist with a specialization in archaeology inform your role as curator at Fernbank? Well, you know, in many ways. We're a relatively small institution, uh, which is actually what drew me to the museum. I, maybe I have undiagnosed ADD, but I love doing lots of different things. So whenever 
we have anything that involves human culture, I am one of our key people that gets involved in those projects, whether it is a permanent exhibition that we're developing or a temporary exhibit, like in our temporary gallery where we have an exhibit rotating every three months, or if it's our educational program. So, you know, anthropologists study humans, depending on your field of anthropology. For me, it's archaeology. So I, I focus on people that are no longer around to tell us their stories. You know, eth- ethnologists or cultural anthropologists uh, really uh, have a great advantage because they're talking to people who are living that can tell us why they're doing the things that they do. So I think for me, my background informs a lot of what we do also about, you know, our mission and how we fulfill our mission and how we reach the community. I got to say, it's the best job on the planet. I get to dabble in lots of different things. I, I also manage our collections and the staff that work on those. And so I've spent a lot of years doing lab work and doing field work and really loved that element of my job. So taking care of Fernbank's three-dimensional object collection is something that I really enjoy and I enjoy working with our registrar. So I think it really informs a lot of what I do. But the great thing about working at a museum is you're always learning. You know, just like our guests, our visitors, hopefully come and learn a new fun fact or get really engaged about a topic after they visited here. You know, museum professionals do the same thing. (laughs) We get just as excited when we have something new come in and it gives us an opportunity to learn about something that it really isn't in our background, but it's right here for us to explore every day. So takes a very curious person to work at a museum. Fernbank Museum curator Bobby Holman, the museum's Halloween exhibition, Woodland Spirits, is on view through November 6th. And more information is on our website, wabe.org slash City Lights. Coming up, Pod Save America's John Lovett tells us about his path from presidential speechwriter to celebrated political podcaster. First, you're listening to City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thanks to all of you donating to WABE and supporting City Lights this hour. You are not only funding City Lights, but right now with just 36 minutes remaining, we are in a cornerstone match. Here's City Lights senior producer Kim Drobes with more on how that match works. Indeed, this is the first, last, and only (laughs) match for City Lights. So please, now is the time to give. If you give $5 a month, they'll make it $10 a month. The math is pretty simple, and we will do this up till $5,000, matching you dollar for dollar. Even if you give as a cornerstone donor, which is only about $3 a day, your gift will still be matched. So please give now, wabe.org slash donate, or with a call 678 My name is Daphne Kennebrew, and I'm from McDonough, Georgia. The the reason why I like City Lights is um, I believe she has some um, very interesting guests that um, I've never heard of before, and I'm able to learn something new, or she might have 
a topic that I'm familiar with and I'm able to learn a little bit more or learn something different that I did not know. I do think that as humans, we need to continue to um, grow. So um, I really do think that the information that I learned on the radio station helps me to be committed to that. Thank you, Daphne and McDonough. It feels good to learn something new, right? Or discover something new about Atlanta. Our tiny but mighty City Lights team is constantly working to expand your horizons about what Atlanta has to offer in arts and culture. Help us in our mission to inform, inspire, and engage by starting a monthly gift during this fundraiser. It only takes a minute at wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090, 678-553-9090. Thanks. And if you donate this hour, you can double your impact today because we are still in the middle of our first, last, and only cornerstone match on City Lights. And, you know, we are grateful to all of you who donate because the vast majority of our funding comes from the Atlanta community, nearly 90%. The rest comes from grants and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. We receive no state funding. So we really rely on Metro Atlanta listeners like you for financial help. And your gift helps us to amplify all voices in Atlanta. Consider a gift of $10 a month. It seems to be the most comfortable level for most of our listeners, but only you know what you can give. And this is really cool. Every WABE monthly donor automatically receives a gift from us, the PBS Streaming Service Passport. You can give right now at 678-553-9090 or make your contribution online at wabe.org slash donate. And thank you so much. And please don't forget this hour. Yes, we're in our Cornerstone match all incoming dollars are being matched right now as we speak. We can maximize the impact of this offer with your donation right now at wabe.org slash donate or with a call, please, to 678-553-9090, 678 553 90. With your gift to WABE this fall, we'd like to send you one of the most iconic thank you gifts in all of public radio, the tote bag. This fall's canvas bag features the illustrations of Atlanta artist Fabian Williams and his colorful take on the WABE slogan, Amplifying Atlanta. This sturdy tote also features a zippered top and an interior pocket for other essentials. It's with a new gift of just $10 a month or a single gift of $120. When you give monthly, you'll automatically receive an added gift, the PBS streaming service Passport. Help support one of the most trusted news outlets in America because facts matter and your gift does too. At wabe.org donate or phone 678-553-9090. Thank you. 
The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Wrights. It's great to have you along. In the aftermath of the 2016 presidential election, Pod Save America emerged to educate, engage, and entertain the progressive-minded community. The flagship podcast of Crooked Media has an enormous following thanks to its smart combination of political insight and witty hosts made up of former Obama staffers John Lovett, John Favreau, Dan Pfeiffer, and Tommy Vator. This summer, when Pod Save America Alive and on tour came through Atlanta, I caught up with John Lovett, and he explained how the podcast started. Back in 2016, John Favreau, Tommy Vitor, Dan Pfeiffer, and I, we all worked together in the Obama White House, and we all went our separate ways when we left politics and trying different phases of our careers. And yet all of us, like Michael Corleone says in Godfather Part 3, like just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. We all <laughs> felt this draw to stay involved, especially in 2016 when the stakes were total. And so we talked about, should we do a TV show? Should we... What should we do? Should we do a podcast? We Dan and John ended up starting this podcast. Tommy and I ended up joining it. And it was really kind of just an outlet for us to talk about politics in the run-up to the 2016 election, almost, almost as a hobby, just because we were passionate about it. We were pretty frustrated as news consumers and as people that had been involved in campaigns with just the way politics is covered in this country. It treats everything like a game. It treats people like cynical observers, like uh, like they're watching a nature documentary instead of treating us all like what we are, which is frustrated participants. And so when the television and when social media are just drowning us in stories that never talk about the stakes, that never cover the actual policy differences, but are focused on who's winning and who's losing and who made a gap and who said what and, and you know, putting the camera on Trump's empty podium for 20 minutes before he shows up. We decided we wanted to have a different kind of show. And then after the election, we were obviously shocked and disappointed and upset and angry. And uh, John and Tommy and I were going to record an episode in the aftermath of the of the loss. We thought it was going to be an episode about Hillary Clinton becoming president. Instead, we ended up driving toward the studio. I, in my panic and distraction forgot to get gas the car runs out of gas and john tommy and i pushed my car to the side of the road in front of the cnn building where people had gathered around watching these 
videos of, of Trump himself surprised, discovering that he's about to be president. And we ended up walking to the studio. And as we did, we talked about what we wanted to do next. And what we said throughout 2016 is something we really believed, which was Donald Trump was an emergency. The fact that he got within five miles of the White House was an emergency. It represented an incredible failure of our political system, of the Republican Party, of the media, of our society, of our economy. It was a collective failure. And we all had a duty to step up and fight back, especially when we knew people would be really despondent and upset and not sure what to do. So many people were asking us, what do we do? What do we do? And we didn't have the answers, but we decided that we thought maybe we could create a place where a bunch of people who felt like we did could come together and join and be part of a community that wasn't just about what was broken, wasn't just about being angry, wasn't just about being upset, but was really focused on turning those emotions, turning those feelings into collective action, into figuring out what we could do about it. And so we launched Pod Save America. We launched it as part of a new media company called Crooked Media. And, you know, the, the three of us, we didn't, look, we don't have MBAs and we're, we don't have, we didn't have a business model. The three of us just said, we think there's a lot of people out there that feel like we did. And we gave ourselves a few months to figure out if the show would work, if the company would work. It took off. And very quickly, we realized we had this incredible opportunity and obligation to figure out how to harness this audience and direct their efforts into ways to fight back. And so the company grew. We launched Vote Save America, which is a platform where we try to give you the absolute best and most useful things you can do to get involved, like the best places to volunteer, the best places to donate your hard-earned money to make the biggest difference in politics, and, the, and a community that you can join with others to kind of commiserate and feel kind of connected to this incredibly big and difficult, at times frustrating, at times hopeful fight. So you're still in public service. Oh, sure. Thank you. That's nice of you to say. <laughs> John, you started as a speechwriter for Hillary Clinton's campaign in 2008, and then John Favreau hired you to be part of the speechwriting team in the Obama administration. What was it like to go from working against Senator Obama in the campaign to working in his administration after that sometimes bitter primary? Well, first of all, first of all, here's what I'd say. Maybe there were moments of, of peak. Maybe there were moments in which you could get close to describing something as acrimony. But wow, was the debate between Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama high academic policy intellectual compared to the pig slop mud slinging nightmare factory that we have now so you if you were, there were a few very very heated moments but the truth is i think it was a ultimately a pretty i think sometimes you know you're invested in a campaign and you believe in your candidate and emotions get high. But the truth is, it was ultimately not as contentious as a lot of other primaries we've seen. And we know that because right after it ended, Hillary Clinton ends up becoming Barack Obama's Secretary of State. And, you know, so I joined then Senator Hillary Clinton's Senate office back in 2005. I had kind of lucked into a junior speechwriting job long before the presidential campaign. That's how I ended up helping out on the presidential campaign in 2007 and 2008. 
So I was with Hillary Clinton for a couple of years on the Senate side before I, I, I worked on the campaign. And after the campaign ended, you kind of take a few weeks, you you have the benefit of the fact that your uh, principal uh, is taking a break too, and you have some time to kind of unwind, disconnect from the campaign, and then they reach out and they say, hey, like we we are looking to bring on uh, speechwriters to join us in the White House. And the truth is there was no group of people that got better experience to be involved in the White House than all of the uh, campaign speechwriters that were involved in the in the presidential campaign in 2007 and 2008. We had these, it was such a long and hard fought primary that we all got this incredible practice. And so they have this group of, of incredible White House speechwriters that were on the Obama campaign. They're looking to add a couple more. Well, there's this group of people that were in the exact same trenches as you. They just happened to be on the other side, working just as hard to, to write rhetoric and make the best argument they could. So I felt really fortunate that they reached out I think it was magnanimous and I threw my hat in and I feel very grateful to this day that uh, John Favreau decided to take a chance on a Hillary Clinton speechwriter because I got to work in the White House and it led us to be friends and to start this company. Pod Save America's John Lovett, also of Love It or Leave It. We'll return with more of this conversation in just a moment. But first, you're listening to City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes. Today, we're fundraising. And this hour, we're in a Cornerstone Society match. This is where your gift is doubled. And with just 22 minutes remaining this hour, we are trying to do everything we can with your help to make sure that $5,000 match does not go away at 12 noon at the top of the hour. I'm joined by City Light senior producer Kim Drobes to tell you more. That's right. This Cornerstone match, we will match our Cornerstone members. We'll match your donation dollar for dollar. And you know, it's up to 5000 and we still have a ways to go. So your pledge really matters. We don't want this money to go to waste. Please consider giving right now, wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. I'd love to go ahead and thank a couple people who have already donated. Michael in Atlanta, Paul in Atlanta, all of our Atlanta people, Kathleen in Atlanta, and Angelica in Johns Creek. Thank you so much. And now it is your turn. 678-553-9090 or wabe.org slash donate. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Keith Woods. I'm the Chief Diversity Officer at NPR. Public radio is not only powerful, but the responsibility is great. We're telling people every day that we're giving them enough information to do what they need to do in this democracy. If we are not bringing all of the voices possible forward, we're not doing that. When you don't talk to people, you talk for them. And diversity is about giving people the full voice. I give to my station because I know how much it takes to do the journalism that the journalists at NPR do. I'm Keith Woods. You count on us to do the kind of homework that allows us to provide you with a full and accurate image of the people around you. Here's how you can support journalism that sounds like our world and broadens yours. 
You can give online at wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090, 678-553-9090. Keith Wood said, when you don't talk to people, you talk for them. Wow. I love that. And I hope you are thinking about how much your world has been broadened simply by listening to WABE because of the value you find here. Make your first ever gift at wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090. Thanks. And how about considering giving monthly, what we call a sustaining gift? We found that most of our new sustainers choose a gift of about $10 a month. Please give at that level or as generously as you are able. WABE.org slash donate and check this out. Every WABE monthly donor automatically receives a gift from us. The PBS Streaming Service Passport. Tens of thousands of Atlanta listeners have decided to fund this station, which helps us amplify the voices of Atlanta. And the response we get is really important because almost 90% of our funding comes from Metro Atlanta. City Lights is your show. It is for Atlanta, by Atlanta, our artists, our musicians, our culture. Please give now, wabe.org slash donate or give us a call, 678-553-9090. And we are coming down to the wire. Cornerstone members have generously challenged all of you contributing this hour only to a $5,000 match. So your contribution will be doubled up until 12 noon. Please call 678-553-9090 or donate online at wabe.org. Thank you. Do it now. This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for listening. Let's get back to my August conversation with John Lovett of Pod Save America right before they came to perform at Cobb Energy Center. Here, Lovett discusses what it was like writing jokes for President Obama. I was one of many people who wrote jokes. I did get to kind of take the lead on those correspondence dinner speeches, which is, for me, a lot of it was obviously writing jokes, but it was also gathering jokes from some of the funniest people around and getting a huge, a huge number of jokes from all kinds of people and then going through them. We were very fortunate to be writing jokes for President Obama, who has incredible comic timing. He just has that natural, charismatic, laid-back way of delivering a joke. I think one of the reasons he was became president is because he could see the absurdities in politics in ways that people that were in Washington or involved in politics for a long time may have lost sight of. He never did. He always understood how silly and ridiculous politics could be. And one of the reasons a joke in a campaign speech or in a debate can be so powerful is it's this incredible shorthand for a subtext between you and your audience. It's a way of saying, hey, 
like we find the same thing stupid. We find the same things ridiculous. We find the same things absurd. We're on the same team. That's why a joke hurts so much when it doesn't work, right? It's because all of a sudden there's this dissonance between you and the audience and the audience is feeling disconnected from you, feeling like you're not part of the same group, not, not, not part of the same team. It's a shorthand. So we felt very lucky getting to write jokes for President Obama, who had a great sense of the absurdity of his job, of the world of Washington, of the press, of Democrats, of Republicans. But I always found that, you know, I have a pretty, I think, a, a harsher tone. My ideal joke is just President Obama throwing the podium over and cursing these people out and, wa- and walking off. That's what I, that's always what I want to do. And I, but, but it was a great balance because when I was in the White House, David Axelrod, who was the longtime advisor to President Obama, he would also write jokes and, and, and help think through what these correspondence dinners would be like. And he had this great avuncular, warm sense of humor, kind of more in the spirit of like political dad jokes, for lack of a better term. And I always felt like there was this great balance. There was this sort of angel on the shoulder, devil on the shoulder, pull between jokes that were incredibly mean, incredibly harsh, and then jokes that were, I think, a little bit sweeter, more old fashioned, more avuncular. And I think brought, President Obama would always strike this great balance. He would start by being self-deprecating. And then they would always have some really hard edged lines here and there to make sure that we were um, kind of, I think, hitting every note. Is there a joke you could share you were most proud of helping craft? I don't believe in taking credit for any specific joke because in the end, these speeches are a real team effort. And truthfully, I don't really remember because I always felt like what I was doing with John Favreau, with with Axelrod, with someone named David Litt, who was also a speechwriter for a time, and a, and a bunch of other people that were throwing in really great ideas, is you kind of gathering all this material, writing some yourself, and then trying to figure out what story you're trying to tell. And what was always most satisfying, yeah, there were great jokes that really landed, but what I always loved is we would try to find a story we could tell that night that really resonated with the moment. You would start with some self-deprecating jokes. You would make fun of the people in the room, and then you would land on some kind of a theme. So like, you know, in, in, in President Obama's first year, it was, here's what we did in my first 100 days, here's what's in my next 100 days. In later years, it was about him becoming a, a, a lame duck. We filmed this great video with John Boehner, with President Obama kind of wandering around the White House. So I have really <laughs> fond memories of all of it, but I'm just proud of having been a part of the whole process without, truthfully, right now talking to you, I'm afraid that if I said I, I wrote something, I would actually just be taking credit because it's such a, a race to the finish. Like, we, you know, you're, you're gathering material, you're putting it together, you're running to meet with the president. He's saying yes, he's saying no, he's pulling things out. You're trying new things, you're, you're getting new material, the news cycle is shifting, and all of a sudden you're cutting some joke, you're adding another joke, and then all of a sudden, it's over, you've sent the final, and then you just wait with bated breath to watch the president deliver these lines and just hope that they land. Well, you're being very generous. In addition to being a presidential speechwriter, John, you've been a stand-up comic, TV sitcom creator and writer. Yeah. How do you draw on those varied experiences for your podcasting and live shows. I've been I've had a very charmed life. I've had a, been able to do a bunch of different things and try a bunch of different careers. And if there's a connection between all of them, you know, I started I started as a math person. I studied math in college. I I ended up publishing a short paper with my professor after I graduated. I loved math. 
I then go into politics. I write speeches for a while. I, I, I try my hand at writing for television. I've been doing stand up. I've been doing these touring shows. And now we make these podcasts. And I think if there's one thing that ties them all together is I, I feel as though what we're always trying to do is find an interesting way to tell the truth. John Lovett from the hit podcasts Pot Save America and Love It or Leave It. By the way, you can hear that entire interview, and he was wonderful before he was here in Atlanta. We spoke. That entire interview is on our website, wabe.org slash City Lights. You can also donate on our website at wabe.org slash donate. John Lovett said what he's always trying to do with his team is find an interesting way to tell the truth. We take tremendous pride. Facts matter here at WABE in our news and information, in the arts and culture we bring you here on City Lights. You're listening to City Lights now, by the way. I'm Lois Reitzes. We are coming down to the wire. We've still got some money left in this cornerstone match with just nine minutes remaining until noon. Just nine minutes remaining, and that $5,000 is on the table. When you give to WABE right now, your donations will be matched. And if we receive enough by noon, we will get that $5,000. want to thank Kathy from Woodstock, who said she always donates when there is a match. Why not join Kathy? We appreciate your generosity. I also appreciate my colleagues and City Lights producer, City Lights senior producer, Kim Drove. I love it. All about the title. Lois, we appreciate you too. And one thing I wanted to add for everyone who gives during City Lights, we're going to do something a little special this year. If you give to WABE this hour, you get the opportunity to have the one, the only, Lois Reitzis wish you a happy birthday on the air during City Lights. We'll aim to celebrate you on your birthday or close to your birthday if your birthday's on a weekend. So keep an eye out for an email and we will send it to you after the drive wraps up and we'll figure it out together. And you know, we only have eight minutes left in nope. this Cornerstone match. That's not much time. They've given us $5,000 to match. We do not want to see that money go to waste. The cornerstone match means dollar for dollar. Your money goes further. You donate five. Instead, WABE gets 10. So if you ever wanted your donation to have more weight behind it, now is the time. And this is the only time on City Lights that we will have a Cornerstone member match. Right now, I'd love to thank some people who have taken the time to give during City Lights. We have Thomas from Hiawassee, Jill from Atlanta, Rex from Lawrenceville, Margaret from Atlanta, and from Roswell, who was also sweet enough to say that she loves the programming. We are so, so 
close people. Remember, anyone that donates to WABE this hour gets the opportunity to have Lois wish them a happy birthday. <laughs> donate now, wabe.org slash donate or 678-553-9090. Thank you so much. My name is Erin Stokes and I live in Scottsdale, Georgia. You know, I, I think being a sustaining member is important for me because I I don't want to turn on the radio one morning and not have NPR be there. I like what seems to be very fair and balanced reporting. I I appreciate that to get some outside perspective and, you know, still feel that connection with the larger Atlanta community. Thank you, Erin. Yeah, it would be terrible to wake up and not hear City Lights at 11 a.m. or 9 p.m., not find it online at wabe.org, because City Lights is the best place for finding out the latest arts and culture news in the city, amplifying all of our Atlanta area voices and letting you know about national and international artists visiting our city. That's why listener support is so crucial. We rely on your support to bring you what you hear, and the most reliable support is the ongoing monthly donations of our sustaining members. Sustaining membership helps WABE plan ahead. It also gives you peace of mind knowing your money is safeguarding the programs you depend on. You can become a sustainer today at wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090. Thanks And please keep in mind, five minutes remaining for us to receive that $5,000 matching grant. Please don't let that money go to waste. WABE counts on listeners for financial support. We use it to pay for the shows that you love. Metro Atlanta provides our largest source of funding. Check this out. About 90% of our funding. Please chip in what you feel like you can chip in. For many of our listeners, we found that sweet spot is about $10 a month, but only you know what you can afford to give. And this is really cool. We're giving you a little something extra. Every WABE monthly donor automatically receives a gift from us, the PBS Streaming Service Passport. Please make your gift now at wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. I'd love to thank a couple of more donors. That is Sharon in Smyrna, who was kind enough to say that she values the station so much. Would also love to thank Melissa Melissant in Conyers. Thank you, Melissant. Make your gift right now. WABE.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. And thank you. We've been talking a lot about sustainers. Remember, only you know the right amount you can give. And if a one-time gift right now is better, that's great. We appreciate it. Giving because you find value here is what matters most. So please donate 
especially in these next three minutes, while your dollars will be matched. Donate online at wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090, Lois, I just got some good news. So you said we only have three minutes left, but we have just been told that we are being given a full hour with this challenge. So since we started at six minutes past the hour, we get to take donations and match them until six minutes past the hour. What that means is we still have time and we still have a few dollars left. Please don't let this money go to waste. Give at wabe.org slash donate or 678-553-9090. This is the first, the last, the only <laughs> match we have been given by Cornerstone members for City Lights for the entire fundraiser. So since you're listening right now, please give right now. This is not for the rebroadcast. I feel like I should have said that sooner. We really, truly only have a few minutes left in this. It is only for our 11 a.m. to noon listeners. Please donate at wab.org or 678-553-9090. Thank you to everyone that has given this hour, but we can't only rely on them. We still need you. And we do need you to make that $5,000 match your gift of what you can afford monthly or one time will help us reach that. 678-553-9090 or online at wabe.org. Thank you. You've been listening to City Lights, our daily exploration of arts and culture. You can catch an encore broadcast tonight at 9. Tomorrow at 11 a.m., We'll hear about the inaugural Jazz Music Awards celebrating the spirit of jazz at the Cobb Energy Performing Arts Center. City Light senior producer is Kim Drobes. Our producers are Summer Evans and Janine Etter, and our engineer is Shelley Canavy. I'm your host, Lois Reitzes. We'd love for you to connect with City Lights on social media. We're at WABE City Lights on both Facebook and Instagram. And follow me on Twitter at L-O-I-S-R-E-I-T-Z-E-S. Thanks for listening to WABE Atlanta. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Have you donated to WABE yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wabe.org slash donate and become a member right now. And thank you.